0: We're talking fundraising. Now, we've often spoken about the charity Fight for Sight. Now, the organisation funds research into various eye conditions around the UK, but all that money has to be raised. Now, there are different ways of doing it, and we're focusing on one particular one today because, well, it's a quite exhausting, intensive, I suppose you've got the fitness barrier, the psychological barrier. It's a climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, Kevin Coghlan was the man who undertook the task and we'll find out a little bit more about how it went and why he did it. Kevin, have you recovered?
1: Just about, yeah. <laughs> I think it's still a little bit sore, but other than that,
0: yes. Now we'll find out a little bit about the climb in just a moment. Tell me first of all why you are involved with Fight for Sight.
1: So we're involved with Fight for Sight because of our son, Jackson. He's now eight years old, and he has the condition Leber's congenital amaurosis. And Fight for Sight have been there from the very start with us and have helped guide us and, and you know, helped to reassure us everything's kind of happening in the right direction. But, you know, on a day-to-day basis, he has to do things differently. He's studying Braille at school. So everything he does is via braille, all his maths work, all his English work. He's having to work a little extra harder each time to make sure he's staying on top of what he's doing. And, you know, thankfully, because he's a, a smart lad and a, a bright boy, he's, he's doing exactly that.
0: Fantastic. You've raised money for the charity. How did a claim of Kilimanjaro come around?
1: done several things over the years for Fight for Sight. We've climbed Snowdon, we've climbed Scarfell Pike, we've put on fun days and had an amazing time doing so. But I wanted something that was a challenge that made me feel that I was actually putting myself through a huge test.
0: So tell me all about the climb then, the the start of it and and how it all went until you you reached the summit.
1: It was gruelling. It was a tough climb. The opening section of the climb actually wasn't too bad. We took it quite easy and it was about a three or four hour trek to get to our first camp. There were monkeys climbing above our heads as we were walking through and you could hear the the whole place was alive with sounds of, of animals and different creatures buzzing around the place. And then our wonderful guide, Makake, absolutely lovely guy, he said, in no uncertain terms, today was easy, tomorrow, not so. (laughs) So the next day, we were actually travelling for around seven and a half hours of walking. We left our camp. The camp was at 2,750 metres above sea level and headed off to the next camp, which was 3,500 metres above sea level.
0: Is it like a a path you follow up the side of the mountain? Yeah, it's quite
1: well defined. I mean there's lots of routes up Kilimanjaro and we decided to take the longer route because the success rate of, of taking a longer route means you're climatised to the atmosphere and the lack of oxygen. It just gives you a better chance of actually making it to the peak.
0: So tell me about reaching the top. What was that like?
1: It was scary. I mean, we were woken up at half past 11 at night, and we had some porridge, which I barely remember eating. (laughs) We had a cup of tea, and then everybody was dressed and ready to go. It was gruelling. And then you set off into the pitch black. Everybody has head torches on, but all you're doing is looking down at the ground in front of you, watching your step and and making sure you're not going to trip over anything. But all you can see is the heels of the person in front of you moving left and right, left and right. They have a name for it. It's called the Kilimanjaro Zombie Shuffle because everybody has their heads down you've got a spotlight on the ground the size of a dinner plate and all you can see is that then all of a sudden you'll stop because somebody has to clamber over some rocks and then you start seeing things so not not hallucinating but because of the shadows and the way everybody's moving lots of people had sticks to help them walk all of a sudden you'll see a shadow of a stick on the rock and you'll think it's a rail and I tried to reach out several times to try and steady myself and realize that it's just a shadow There's nothing there at all. And then we arrived at Stella Point, I think, just after 7 in the morning. It took our breath away. Not just because it had been hard work and grueling to get to that point, but just because we knew from that point forward we were only 45 minutes' walk from the very peak. We'd made it to 5,685 metres, which was just mind-blowing in itself. I took a selfie at Stella Point, and my hat, my woolly hat, had frozen to my head. (laughs) <laughs> and it it, it it would not move. I, I I was trying to move it, and it just would not go. We were actually fortunate. We'd taken a little longer than some of our other climbers that we were with. But in doing so, we actually avoided all of the cloud. So we had uninterrupted views of the ice towers, the drop into the actual volcano itself. You know, we we had uninterrupted views of all of that. I think the first thing I did was shed a tear, just knowing that we you know, got to that point. And then my head started kicking back in. And I mean, at this point, you're at 50% less oxygen. Um, So, you know, your kind of head's all over the place. A slow kind of dull thud in your head, like a headache coming on, but not quite there. And then we got to the top, sat on the rock, which is just underneath the sign to say you're on the top. And we had a picture of Jackson and we did our blink, wink, think, which is a campaign that Fight for Sight are running at the moment where you cover one eye and have a picture taken and both Nikki and I sat there and held Jackson's picture up covering an eye, and that was it. We were there. We'd done it. Miraculously, having not been able to phone home for three days, on the top of Kilimanjaro, found a telephone signal and phoned my wife at 4 o'clock in the morning UK time. I'm not sure she was overly impressed with that, but, you know, it was (laughs) lovely to hear her voice and to to obviously say, you know, we've done it. We've made it to the top. This is... I'm I'm actually calling you from the top. It was absolutely amazing to be able to do that. We then had to... Surf. most of the side of Kilimanjaro is is scree it's all volcanic rock ground down into dust and small shards of rock and you can pretty much surf down it obviously using your feet not an actual surfboard. but it you know it was, it was great fun <laughs> getting down as quickly as we did. I think we got down the side of the mountain to our Muwake camp it's almost two thousand two and a half thousand meters down we did that in about three hours but then you you know the air is so thick you feel a little bit drunk on it you feel a bit you know light-headed because all of a sudden you've gone from 50% less oxygen to being overwhelmed by this influx of, of oxygen and you know it's, it's absolutely amazing feeling.
0: A once-in-a-lifetime experience Kevin that you've, that, you've done that. so you've done the climb you're still raising uh, the funds at the moment so c- can people still contribute?
1: Yeah absolutely we started out with our original target as £3,000 to raise As I'm looking at it now, it stands at £7,743. So if you go to justgiving.com, then put forward slash Kev dash and dash Nick, N-I-C, dash Coglan, which is C-O-G-H-L-A-N. That will come up with our page. Every little helps, so it doesn't matter how much you can afford to give. Just please try and find some.
0: Kevin, congratulations on the climb and best of luck with the fundraising. And thank you for telling us all about it on RNIB Connect Radio.
1: No worries. Thank you very much for having me.
0: For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts